you're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And welcome to what is bound to be the strangest, most bizarre episode of Nostalgia Be Damned you've ever heard, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from your childhood, or just those films you're nostalgic about, and we look at them objectively without the rose-colored glasses and let you know, are these movies actually good, or is your nostalgia blinding you? Time is not important, Zach. Only life is important. Tagline for the movie. Boom. Oh, is that what that worked was? Worked that in yeah. organically. Yeah, 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 I worked that in organically. Yeah. You really did. Yeah, you're doing a great job so far back from, what is this, our fourth hiatus in a row? We're going to get better. <laughs> We're, we are going to get better. Things are settling down, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, This week, we watched 1997's The Fifth Element. Jesus Christ, did we ever. <sighs> I, I gotta be honest. What's wrong, Brandon? I gotta be honest, dude. I, I can't remember a whole hell of a lot of this movie, and that, that blows me away because now I don't think I'll ever forget it. I don't know about you, but the first time I saw The Fifth Element, I kind of, like, took it in. Like, I appreciated what I was watching, but I guess it didn't really, like, sit with me what I was watching. I've got an interesting story about this. It wasn't the first time I saw it, but it was one of the most memorable times I've seen this movie. It was my birthday. I think it was my 14th birthday. And we had like six of my friends over and we were going to go see that shitty Punisher movie that like R rated Punisher movie that came out. Oh, that's a stay tuned a billion years ago. Yeah, that is a stay tuned, but we couldn't go to the movie because there was an ice storm on the day of my birthday and like the power went out. And so we were just sitting in my house and suddenly the power came back on and the fifth element was just on my television. Like it was just starting fate. And we all sat down and instead of going to see that Punisher movie, watch the fifth element. And again, it was just like, it's a movie that like, I think as I was younger, I generally just accepted, like, I like this movie, but I, up until the point where we recently watched it, I don't think I ever really absorbed what was going on. This movie is weird, dude. So The Fifth Element was directed by Luc Besson, who, very prolific. He's been directing since the, you know, 90s. But he started off with uh, La Femme Nikita. Yeah. Uh, Leon the Professional. He did The Messenger, the story of Joan of Arc. Uh, I did not see that one. Dude, I love The Professional. Gary Oldman's awesome in that movie. <laughs> yeah, that movie's pretty sweet, yeah. Uh, he also did a movie, Angel A, and this blew my goddamn mind. Do you remember the movie Arthur and the Invisibles? It was, like, from 2006, so a, um, an animated movie, a computer-generated one. Um, I didn't see it, and very little people in America did. No. The only reason I bring that up is because it spawned a very successful, like, international trilogy, I guess. Arthur and the Great Adventure and Arthur Three: The War of the Two Worlds. Okay. I mean, good for the rest of the world, so yeah. So look into that, dude. Freddie Highmore, uh, lead actor in that movie, so... Jason Bateman does a voice. You know, look it up, dude. Interesting. He also did a movie called The Lady, Then the Family. That was the one with De Niro, I think, from a couple of years back. And Michelle Pfeiffer, I think, didn't see it. I did see Lucy, the Scarlett Johansson, I've Got Drugs in My Tummy movie. Oh, yeah, I saw that movie. Did you see Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets? Oh, no. Not at all did I see that movie. I think had they cast any two actors in Hollywood, I might have had an interest, but the, I don't know, Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne in one movie together, I just didn't It was to too much. That. It yeah. was way too much. I yeah. remember seeing the trailer and just being like, this seems like a lot, but honestly, it, it 
it's unsurprising that that movie might have been a lot after seeing some of his previous work. <laughs> like The Fifth Element, Brandon. I don't know. Did you see The Fifth Element, Brandon? Oh, did I ever. He also just, by the way, released a movie called Anna, which I did not see. Just came out like a couple weeks ago as of recording. Hmm. No one else saw it either. So, nope. Fifth Element, though. Very well regarded in terms of fans. It was kind of mixed critic reception when it first came out, but it's got a 7.7 on IMDb and a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. So kind of favorably, but they were still kind of mixed. This was described as both the best and worst summer blockbuster <laughs> by critics. Yeah, it, it is. It's polarizing because, and I feel like I might be tipping my hand a little bit here, but at some points you watch this movie and you're thinking, I'm watching a pretty good movie, and like two minutes later you're like, what the fuck is going on on my television screen? <laughs> what I will say is, Luke Besson, he he swung for the fucking fences with this. There's so many things that are thought out, and then there's so many other <laughs> parts that are just not, and they're so like half-baked. What but, are you doing? <laughs> but I have to admire just the goddamn passion that went into this and uh, yeah the fact that no studio was like you know hang on a sec uh there's a few things here we we might want to change luke yeah hey, luke <laughs> oh my god try and make this movie today uh the studio Lord. puts the kibosh on the, i mean they couldn't even make the han solo movie without firing five directors Good luck fucking making this movie in 2019. <laughs> you couldn't do it. Corbin Dallas is basically introduced trying to kiss a chick while she's asleep. Yep. And uh, the first thing she says is never without my permission. A little foreshadowing, dude. It cost a whopping $93 million to make. That's $97. And uh, did not recoup its budget here in the States. It only earned $63 million. But thankfully, it was a hit overseas, earning a total of $263 million worldwide. Wow. All right. So uh, unsurprising that the rest of the world like this movie, like this must have been so big in China and Japan. This just has some some ideas that I think here in America weren't in a lot of summer blockbusters and honestly still kind of haven't been in <laughs> some stuff here that's just like very singular to this movie. I will say this kind of my tagline for this podcast, if you will, it is the most unique film at least in sci-fi, I think I've ever seen. It is, yeah, unique's <laughs> a good word. Unique is a good word. It it placed 26th among the highest-grossing films in America in 1997, earning less than some other sci-fi action movies that year, like Men in Black, Lost World Jurassic Park, the special edition re-release of Star Wars and Empire Strikes oh, Back, wow. but earned more than the Return of the Jedi re-release, <laughs> Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Alien Resurrection, and Starship Troopers. I was there in the theaters for the Star Wars uh, re-release, by the way. I remember going to that. Did you see all three of them? I saw... I think I only ended up seeing A New Hope. I don't think I ended up going back to see the other two. I remember getting that gold Darth Vader like VHS slip sleeve case box mm -hmm. thing where you like slipped them out. Yeah, they had the three VHS gold uh covers dude that was pretty dope yeah uh, star wars is cool man maybe we should have done star wars <laughs> well we'll get to the phantom menace at some point <laughs> oh of course we will in box office regards if you're measuring in terms of just nostalgia be damned episodes exclusively it earned less than con air hercules and i know what you did last summer but outgrossed mouse hunt by the way 
Lee Evans in this movie. Yes, he is. I remember seeing him. I, and it's funny because I, I was just watching the movie again to refresh myself a little bit. And I saw him and I was like, I know I've seen this guy. And I had to like look back and find him. <laughs> Lee Evans. Very oh, small man. Role. We should start a Lee Evans fan podcast. What are your thoughts? Uh, Yeah, have fun. <laughs> so uh, Basson started writing the story i guess that eventually became the fifth element when he was only 16 years old and it shows yeah what <laughs> he was 38 by the way when the movie finally opened in cinema so you know talk about a long gestating project and it's worth every year <laughs> of the wait i would love love to see draft one of this film <laughs> Surprisingly, not nominated for Best Original Screenplay. However, what? it was nominated for Best Sound Effects Editing at the Oscars that okay. year. Yeah, I, I get that. And, uh, you know, because this was such a unique film, it took years to convince any studio to pony up the cash for such an expensive original film. Columbia only agreed to do so after Leon the Professional was a commercial success for them. You know what's weird and just kind of piggybacking on that thought? I do find it bizarre that they dumped this much effort and money into a sci-fi movie like this and it didn't spawn a sequel or like any sort of spin-offs. Well, it was supposed to be a trilogy. He had three Ooh. scripts uh, condensed into one, though, after I'm pretty sure they were just like, no, we're not giving you a trilogy. You can have this one. And he's just like, well, I'll put it all in here. That kind of explains. That's always a, a good idea. dude. That kind of explains a couple issues I take with some of the some of the plot lines in this movie. <laughs> At the time of release, it was the most expensive European film ever made, and it remained the highest grossing French film at the international box office until the release of the Untouchables in 2011. Mm. That that movie remade with Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston, The Upside. I did not see it, but I hear it's heartwarming. <laughs> I'm sure it is, kind of like in like a heartburn kind of way, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, lastly, this movie was actually selected as the opening film of the Cannes Film Festival. Mm, wow. I I mean, they handed out mushrooms at the entrance and said, "Have fucking fun, <laughs> dude. Grip your seat. The devil's on his way." It has got all the makings of a film that, like, you should sit down and be like, uh, "It can't be that bad, right?" <laughs> And that's the thing. That's the thing. Is we're gonna have some things we really like about this movie too. Yeah. Along this review, and then there are things that are just questionable. Just questionable, you know. So if you if you have a lot of nostalgia about this, yeah, I question them. <laughs> if you've got a lot of nostalgia about this, just sit back and relax, because I know this one's beloved by a lot of sci-fi fans. And you know what? I'm coming at this with fresh eyes because I have not seen this since I was a kid. Honestly, I know I saw this on VHS back in the day, but like I'm saying now, I, I was honestly shocked that I did not remember almost anything except for a few key images from this movie upon rewatching. And yeah, like I said, man, these some of these are burned into my mind now. <laughs> this is a movie that I feel like I've seen multiple times even since like the first watching, but I just haven't really gestated anything in it. So this was this was interesting to sit down and like focus on what I was watching. I think this is more of a hangover film. Well, let's get into it, dude. Yeah. Oh my god been too long so we begin it in a place honestly zach i did not expect to start the fifth element in egypt 1914 sure yeah where any good sci-fi future movie starts <laughs> what the hell and guess what i also didn't expect luke fucking perry to be in this movie r.i.p but holy shit yeah he didn't expect luke perry until he fucking shows up right 
You, you never expect Luke Barry. The first five minutes of this movie have say so much about, you know, or undo so much of what I know the universe to be. But it's these two guys, you know, they're in a temple scribing so, off something off of what, what, the hieroglyphics or some shit. They wind up opening this mm-hmm. tomb, which has a sarcophagus inside, which is believed to hold the fifth element. Zach, do you want to explain what the fifth element might be? <laughs> I mean, I it's not tough. not at the end. Don't give it away. I was going to say it is very <laughs> tough to go off what the fifth element might be in this movie. Basically, you got your four basic elements, the whole earth, water, wind, and fire. Uh and then the fifth element, um it, it could be anything, Brandon. I I vegetation maybe. They, <laughs> did, they like what could the fifth element possibly be? Well, we're about to spend two hours uh, finding out. Oh, yes, we are. Well, are we going to spend two hours specifically finding out, or are we going to blow it off until the last five minutes? Let's wait and see. <laughs> well, these two guys, like I said, one of them, Luke Perry, won this old professor gentleman who's, yeah, looking at the, he believes to have found the greatest historical find in forever. They're super excited, and just as they're about to open some other thing, Fucking aliens come out of nowhere because this priest comes up, runs up, tries to poison them um, with a congratulatory water. <laughs> Get that out of my face, dude. I want some fucking scotch or whiskey. Yeah, we're drinking wine, you idiot. <laughs> Get out Get of here. Get the fuck out of here. Zach, right away, this this shocked me. What are what are these mech suit aliens? There's so many different races I, of aliens. Dude, I don't know. Like, the only thing I can think of is, like, they're a bunch of, like, Mighty Duck aliens. It's probably the aliens from the Mighty Duck cartoon that we were talking about a couple weeks ago. They are shockingly shaped like Ninja Turtles, I guess, now that you think about it. And they are lumbering as fuck. Like, they're, it's just metal. These metal robot aliens. I, these just seem so cumbersome. Dude, I they look like, if you've seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they look like just a mix of fucking... I don't know, man. I don't know how to explain this. It's it's tough. If you haven't seen The Fifth Element, it's on Netflix. Go check this out right now. Yeah, or do some, you know, Google image, uh, have some fun, because there's just... If you don't even watch the movie, just know what some of these creature designs look like, because that's right off the bat, I'm praising... Some of them don't look good. A lot of them look cheesy, but God damn it, are they unique and weird and kind of fun to look at. Dude, I, there are so many things in this movie that are like, I know this looks bad, but God damn it, at least they tried. You know? Yeah. So this priest who you think I thought was a bad guy at first because he's trying to poison these guys, but I guess he's actually protecting the earth with these mech-like aliens because he runs over to him and tells them, hey, you know, the stone is no longer, or no, I'm sorry, they start telling him, hey, the stone is no longer safe on earth because, the you know, there's a war coming. Oh, boy. If, if you're lost already, don't worry. The movie does not hold your hand through this. It's not us. We're doing a fine job explaining this. <laughs> this movie is just weird, dude. Yeah, they grab the sarcophagus, which contains, supposedly, like we mentioned, the fifth element. They grab some stones, those other four elemental stones, and they piece the fuck out. But... Not before taking the sarcophagus, which is also called a weapon. This is also the most powerful weapon. So the aliens promise the priest who's been guarding this secret forever and ever and ever. They say, keep passing on the knowledge that you've learned. We're going to be back in 300 years when the evil returns. What's the evil, Brandon? (laughs) What, like... 
how they've been passing the secret down for how long? Like it's it turns into the Da Vinci Code a little bit. Yes, it does because he also passes off this like little microchip thing to the priest too before one of the aliens gets crushed Indiana Jones style. I mean, it's a it's a key. <laughs> oh, it looked like a little microchip. You know how it's shaped, dude. Everything's <laughs> very few. Yeah, okay. I thought, well, well I thought me. it was I All thought right, it was shaped me. like a key, but you know whatever. <laughs> whatever. They still have CDs in this world. I mean, not in 1914. They do in 2263, which is where we find ourselves next hard cut i guess <laughs> yeah uh where a giant ball of black fire starts to appear you know 300 years just like they fucking said dude i don't know what's the villain in the silver surfer movie he's the silver uh, surfer right no 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 the the like actual villain in that movie i don't know because i didn't see the silver surfer movie because why the fuck would i want to <laughs> go see the silver surfer movie? i don't know his name dude i, I don't know Colossus? I I don't know. Col- maybe the Planet Eater, something oh, like that. Dude, wait, no, isn't that Green Lantern? The one you're thinking of? Parallax, right? I don't, I don't know. know dude. Yeah, it, it's I just like a floating. The Ryan Reynolds fl- movie. Yeah. You think I went and saw the Ryan I've Reynolds seen movie? Every Ryan Come Reynolds on, movie, Brandon, dude. What is He's happening? amazing. I mean, yeah, I saw like half of that movie because I just wanted to see Ryan Reynolds. But well, I that movie's off. bad. But that also does have you that similarly like a planet eating like fucking giant floating smoke yeah smoke giant ball. ball of smoke or something yeah it's it's bizarre that's what that's basically what this looks like it just looks like a big black mass of nothingness so naturally we want to shoot it down yes we do so we're introduced to our president at this time Lindbergh. i i don't know if he's president of the united states or if he's president of new york because i don't think we ever see any other state other than new york in this i think no i think they say he's president of the galactic federation maybe or the federation so i think like they not he's not the president of america they've just combined all the countries on earth into one he's president of the federated territories that is correct yes i stand corrected Mm. uh well he's played by tiny tony lester which i'm so happy (laughs) friday you like this casting decision huh? oh my god this is well it's like uh terry cruz in idiocracy it reminds me of like this over-the-top personality who they get to be president like a wrestler or like some (laughs) jacked huge man yeah see but the difference in idiocracy is that is very clearly supposed to be a joke (laughs) where in this movie it could be a joke we just don't really know (laughs) i don't think it is that's what makes it so funny because he doesn't overplay it his dialogue isn't written to be like over the top funny he's just the president and you're fucking dealing with it (laughs) yeah and he's like he's not doing a fantastic job in this movie luke basson just saw probably just enjoyed a performance of his and was like i want that guy in the movie it's it's i I guess same with luke perry who never comes back by the way no luke i mean luke perry's long dead at this point he gets an and luke perry you know title credit damn does he really i didn't see I saw his name in the credits. I was like, what? Luke Perry? Oh, that's right. I saw him. He's on screen for two. He's got two lines. Well, it's Luke Perry, dude. (laughs) God bless. Well, we then cut to uh, Brooklyn, and uh, we're introduced to our blonde Bruce Willis playing Corbin Dallas. Mm. He's a former major in the special forces, and now he's flying a taxi cab. Right. And it's really just a shame that we still don't take care of our veterans in 3,000 whatever. Uh, 2263, Zach. And you're right there. But but thankfully, he does have a sick fucking apartment, dude. Let's talk about some of the contraptions that are in there. Let's. Everything makes life more convoluted and complicated. He has like a cigarette dispenser. Is he refilling that? There's only five 
five holders in it? Well, it's because he's trying to quit. The cigarette dispenser is like trying to get you to quit smoking, so it'll only give you five a day. Parcel them out as you please. Are you kidding me? So now robots are dictating nicotine usage, dude? Not only that, dude, but the, like his fridge is also his shower in some sort of gross way. <laughs> I, yeah, like, it like collapses into the ground and becomes a shower. Gross. Yeah, I like he basically lives in like a studio, but way, way, way smaller and more compact because everything just slides back into the wall when he's done. Yeah, yeah, it's basically like a dorm closet, like a pull-out drawer essentially for a human being. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it sounds fucking awesome if you're like a struggling twenty-one-year-old, but if you're Bruce Willis and you're what 30s 40s uh not where you want to be in life i imagine bruce willis is playing a cool 29 in this movie <laughs> are you now huh <laughs> 29 no, huh? i'm kidding oh man no but they're trying to fool you with that blonde hair yeah well fooling nobody i'm sorry it's it it looks silly you know what else looks silly fucking driving in this world forget about it i'm done i'm not like <laughs> take my license see ya yeah what the fuck like there's uh, okay so of course it's the future every car flies you can't see the ground i don't think anybody walks anymore yeah i mean (laughs) we've seen this before in like blade runner this is nothing new but but to the degree of the congestion of this traffic and how fast everything's moving and the lawlessness it seems (laughs) it looks like coruscant in the star wars prequel movies in fact (laughs) i'd almost say that uh star wars prequel movies probably ripped off the fifth element you know what after seeing it this time dude yeah there's a lot of phantom menace attack of the clones in here dude this whole flying car bullshit this is exactly what you think of as a 16 year old kid you know what i mean oh yeah like they're just fucking flying upside of skyscrapers and shit and there's taxi cabs fuck yeah dude. yeah fuck yeah dude It's, it's basically new york but everything flies now dude Fuck yeah. Taxi, hey, space pizza. So we cut from here, and again, the editing in this movie sometimes is really fun. They're really playing with the dialogue of different characters. They'll cut back to one character, say something, and it'll cut back to another character finishing that saying something. Mm -hmm. And then other times, it's wildly inappropriate for them to cut to scenes because... It's just so out of context. Like, right now, we're going to cut from this to Ian Holm, who plays the new priest, I guess, Vito Cornelius, whom I'm assuming was passed along all this information. He's, you know, the next in line or whatever. It's like the Da Vinci Code. It's just like secrets that get passed down generation after generation. Yeah, so he's dumping all this exposition onto, you know, the president, and he tells him about the big ball in the sky, this great evil and, you know, the only weapon that can stop it. So, like I mentioned earlier, there are at least, um, there are several types of aliens, but they're the two that you need to know. One is called, those, these are the robot ones. I think they're called the Mondashaw ones or the Mondashay ones or something like that. I don't care. Mm, I but think it's ex- Mondashaw one. It doesn't matter. That sounds it good. literally doesn't matter. They're yeah. the mech aliens, and I guess they're good. They were all al- good all along trying to stop the evil. Then there's the bad aliens, the Mangalores, and these guys um, are working for our villain of the movie, which, by the way, he is only shown very briefly at first, and then I think we get his appearance even further along than this, but not enough Gary Oldman, I will say. (laughs) You know what? Not enough Gary Oldman. (laughs) Like, I could have had this entire movie just Gary Oldman, because Gary Oldman, of course, is playing the most cartoonish person (sighs) you could think of, but he's fucking amazing. 
So apparently those bad aliens, the Mangalores, they destroy this other ship, right? Which leaves only one survivor. It's this severed hand inside a metal glove from the fifth element sarcophagus. And I guess it still has some living tissue or some some living cells or some shit. So in this New York lab where the president was, the human scientists, they use the cells, I guess, to recreate a humanoid person. And it becomes... Mila Jovovich with with orange hair and some cleverly placed thermal bandages. It, there's a lot of nudity in this movie, though. Dude, for a PG-13 movie, there is a shocking amount of nudity. Yeah, it really is. It, it It's... I, you know, Brandon, we ask this a lot in some of our movies, but there are times when I'm watching this and I'm like, who who is this for? <laughs> who, who is this movie for? <laughs> you know, it's for the 16-year-olds watching this. Who? Oh, but there's titties. No, no. no. <laughs> exactly. They're out of focus, dude. Come on. He's got some taste. Uh, I mean, I guess. there's a, There's three gratuitous nudity scenes in this. Let me put this on the record. I do not ever want to defend Luke Basson. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Go ahead and Google yeah, him and yeah, you'll find don't. out why. So she immediately breaks out of this lab uh, after some sensory overload because she's trying to communicate with people, but she's talking this crazy language we find out is ancient and people have spoke before there were people. So get used to it, dum-dum. But she learns English mighty quick. She breaks out of this facility, and we get this, you know, kind of, I, I do remember this at least shot, because I've seen it on posters and, you know, movie covers and shit, the shot of her jumping, leaping off of this building as the police are trying to arrest her. Yes, and she lands right into Corbin Dallas's taxi and uh, gets his license suspended or something like that because he's a fucking terrible driver, even though he's one of the best... Special forces, dude. Ex-special forces. And yeah... But he can't drive a fucking taxi. Yeah, there's something to do with points on a license that he's getting revoked daily. There's constantly losing points. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, either he's terrible at driving or the system that this runs on is antiquated. I mean, we we do the point system now, so I I, I assume it's the, the normal point system, but he's just like... I, I don't know. But those count up, don't they? Because he's losing 50 points at a time, dude. Yeah, after like each accident, it's like, oh, you have five points remaining on your license. There's like a robot in the car to tell you how... Could you imagine every time you get in your car, it tells you how many points on your license? Like, what fucking useless piece of information? Hey, man, remember when you fucked up a year ago? We're just going <laughs> to remind you about that every time. Yeah, my parents are in the car. Come on, my parents, every time this fucking comes up, man, we're going to argue it. at dinner. Thanks a lot, fucking car robot. Now I got to fly to fucking wherever I'm going. Here we go. This is why... God, can you imagine? the insurance premiums no, in this world it sounds awful and can you imagine if they had thought of uber in this world bruce willis would be out of a job what would this movie be about so the police you know they surround him and by the way we were talking about cumbersome uniforms before what the fuck are oh yeah why are they wearing, wearing like medieval knight uniforms that are like <laughs> Five times their chest size. What's going on here? Seeing them like in a drive-through, like a like a fucking fast food floating drive-through. It's just the weirdest shit. There's so much weird imagery in this that I can't, I have to salute it. Well, they get they get their McDonald's uh, sponsorship in there because you see McDonald's twice in this scene. But the the drive-through attendant at the McDonald's, they're all like, it's they turn McDonald's into a Hooters. They're beautiful women in skimpy outfits. <laughs> It, I'm telling you, man, go Google this guy. There's there's flags. We should have seen it coming. 
<laughs> well, shit. So he refuses to, I guess, um, you know, give up or surrender because they tell him that there's a prisoner, she needs to be arrested, and she, I guess, learns the briefest of English when she looks at this little poster in the back of his car that says, please help, and she kind of mimes it or says it eventually, and he's like, all right, I guess I'll throw away my last point there on my license, and uh, now I'm a fugitive. Worth it, dude, because she's smoking hot, right? Supposedly, she's supposed to be perfect, I guess, right? Like, I guess this is the perfect being. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I mean, I've, she's, yeah, you know, dude, she's an attractive actress. Bruce Willis falls in love awfully quickly. I'll say that. Yeah, with a fucking interdimensional being or whatever she actually is, composed of a fifth element, like that, an element. He's having, he wants to fuck an element. With someone who just made you a wanted man instantly, like fucked up your taxi, fucked up your job, police want you instantly, and you're like, yeah, whatever, I'll, I'll take care of you. No. That is not how a New York taxi driver would handle that situation. Get the fuck out of my cab. <laughs> exactly. Get the fuck out of my taxi. Yeah. But there is a cool little chase scene. I will say that a lot of the CG effects, like the backgrounds and stuff, I guess maybe because it's all all fake, that it all works, like, it's pretty good. And I think the practical effects are, are when they do the close-ups and stuff of the floating cars and shit, like, it, it honestly holds up pretty good. I'm so glad you said that because it was something I wanted to bring up. I While the CG isn't fantastic in this movie... It kind of holds up. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's better than most of the other 90s movies. Like, this is the same year as Spawn, for Christ's sake. Yeah. I It really, like, they dumped a ton of money into this movie, man, and it shows. <laughs> I love this part. He gets to, he like, kicks open the door, basically, to the priest, priest Vito Cor- Cornelius, the guy, Ian Holm, who we met earlier. Uh, he, he walked, he's like, I found you in the, the yellow pages. Like, I'm glad... 200 years from now we still <laughs> got <books>. the yellow <laughs> pages i love that i was like great nice that's awesome uh it really is fascinating to go back and see these movies in the 90s that were predicting the future <laughs> not foreseeing facebook not foreseeing yelp or uber or like any of these services that we have no one has a cell phone in this movie by the way oh no they have landlines they have landlines in this movie <laughs> they've got landlines they do have cell phones but they look like walking talkies and they also have cds (laughs) and the biggest star in the galaxy brandon the biggest star in the galaxy is a radio dj (laughs) that tells you everything about when this movie was made yeah i guess we can mention this now because i forgot all about it and then when it comes in the last minute i'm like oh shit yeah chris tucker's in this movie you forget all about him but there's supposedly a famous radio host we'll get him to it more later when he's actually introduced but he's holding this contest that will come in very like they, they just drop it in a commercial in the background like instantly <laughs> like, yeah when you're first introduced you're not really thinking much of it other than was that chris tucker <laughs> yeah and uh it, it becomes a plot line like in a matter of seconds so he brings her to the priest she's asleep and he very creepily tries to steal a kiss and she you know rightfully so wakes up puts a gun to his head and says something that yeah is translated to what later on uh never without my permission yeah exactly come on bruce what the fuck yeah what are you thinking bruce but he basically come on the priest kind of kicks him out we got it from here he calls her perfect like mankind's most precious possession they can't help but just like stare at this woman and be like you're beautiful because there's a there's several times where they turn around and she has to change and that's when we do see some nudity again in a pg-13 movie i was pretty surprised three scenes man there's three nudity scenes in this it's crazy she understands english because she later tells the priest 
all this stuff, all this stuff, but she's, she's saying it in her language, which he can interpret. So I guess she can understand English. She just doesn't speak it. Well, she's doing that, like, um, <laughs> that kind of AI thing where the, she's just, like, browsing through web pages at an instant, like, in an instant, and just picks up on the knowledge. So she, she must be, like, slowly learning English, not to the point where she can speak it, but maybe to the point where she can understand it, I guess. It, it, we're trying to rationalize this movie, and maybe that's not a good idea. Well, do you think she was using Ask Jeeves? Because those Windows 95 computers they're using, too. Definitely, <laughs> I, I know. It definitely wasn't Wikipedia, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, she recognizes the priest, and Corbin goes home. He actually does feel pretty bad. He even says to himself, like, shouldn't have kissed her. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's he's really like, uh, I, I fucked up, I fucked up. He's learning from his mistakes, and I guess that's okay. And so his boss calls him, and he's like, yo, where the fuck's my taxi? I know you destroyed some shit. And he's like, oh, no, it, I'm, everything's fine. I just had the biggest fare of my life fall in my lap. And then the boss is like, well, really, how much? And he, like, lays down on the bed really seductively, and the music starts in, and he's like, 5'9", <laughs> red hair. Oh, uh, this scene <laughs> makes me want to puke. It's terrible. There there are some music cues in this that are just, they honestly ruin some of the scenes. Like, I don't know why they had to put it in here, because some of the music during the action beats and stuff is pretty fun and, like, you know, yeah. sci-fi-y, techno shit. But, like, other times, during these these character moments, they really try to heighten the emotion. <laughs> it's, it's, it's garbage. Gary Oldman, we're finally here. We go introduced to the villain at this point. The bad aliens. I already forgot their name. The disenfranchised aliens. The uh, Mangalores. The Mangalores. Thank you. Uh, are delivering a box that Gary Oldman wanted, and it's supposed to contain the four elemental stones. We. D- it's not really explained immediately why he wants these elemental stones, but he's going to help out these Mangalores, uh, giving them. These fucking insane weapons, Brandon. Dude, this gun tech demo scene is hilarious for many reasons. One, can we let's just talk about Gary Oldman for a second. First off, his character's name is Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg, okay? Sure. He's an industrialist with half a shaved head, and I I don't know if he's doing if he's doing Foghorn Leghorn or Gary Busey, but his accent is out of this world, especially for a sci-fi villain. He's doing like <laughs> Like a Gary Busey. This sci-fi villain based in Brooklyn is doing (laughs) this weird mix of a Gary Busey Texas accent. It's very confusing, um, and I love every second of it. (laughs) And he's wearing a fucking Beetlejuice trench coat. Mm -hmm. Oh, this guy. And he's he's got a metal foot or something that he's limping on. (laughs) You might as well have a fucking metal foot. And and on his shaved head, it's like this plastic clear cap. (laughs) And he's got the worst goatee. And he's got the worst goatee in the world. And he's he's perfect in every way. I could watch five more movies of just this Gary Oldman character. I wonder if it was Gary Oldman writing down all the character quirks he could have for this character and showing it to Luke Besson and him just seeing like, I want all of them. Or if it was Gary Oldman saying, I'm just going to do all this crazy shit. And maybe Luke Besson maybe thought at one point, maybe tone it down, maybe pull it back a bit. Not for Oldman, dude. Nope. I'm going for it. I'm not waiting 20 years to win an Oscar. (laughs) So they're doing the tech demo and, uh, you know, it's this crazy gun that can shoot specific points whenever they want and it's got rocket launchers and a net 
catcher and fucking a flamethrower and a, and freezer. a freezer. It can like yeah. freeze people to death. And yeah. uh, <laughs> so Gary Oldman's about to give these aliens a ton of guns to start their revolution. A little uh, con- Iran Contra situation we got going on here. Ooh, Ooh very political. Hot topic. Yes, sir. The stones aren't in the box, Brandon. That's right, because they didn't get the stones, but they're still demanding payment. I guess the stones were actually given by the gods to someone trustworthy. Um, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and Lilu knows this, and now the priest knows <laughs> oh, okay. it. And, right. uh, and so that that's just like, okay, well, the plot's uh, still going on then. <laughs> <laughs> It really is that simple, and uh, Gary Oldman makes an enemy of those guys pretty quickly because he doesn't want to pay them. They demand payment, so he gives them one shipment of guns, but does not tell them about the self-destruct button on the guns. Yeah, so not only does he blow them up, he also blows up all of the guns that he's still left in that room. <laughs> yeah. He's a madman. Yeah, he also holds the priest hostage at one point. Does, is there any sort of relevance to this? I don't really think there is. Well, he's got to kidnap the priest and tell him what's really going on, you know, why he really wants the elemental stones, dude. It's a narrative plot thing. I And, and it's something about, like, uh, to improve life, you got to destroy life a little bit. He, he just outwardly, <laughs> dude, te- he outwardly tells him, he's like, listen, I need to kill a couple people, okay? That's going to create jobs. <laughs> topical. Oh, my God. Yes, very topical. Um, no, but seriously, his, I don't understand his plan. He's like, without destruction, there can't be any jobs and all this shit. Like, what? Is, what? <laughs> I don't know. Something about to prosper, you need just, like, less people, maybe? It's it's very confusing. It turns out to be a lie, I guess. Yeah, because he nearly chokes to death on a goddamn cherry. I thought he was joking, and I thought this was all, like, a ruse to kill the priest eventually. But no, he's gonna die, and the priest saves his life, so his life is spared. Can you imagine, like, I bet he wrote it in at one point that he just dies. He's like, that's the end of the villain. That is the end of the villain. And while suffocating, he's pressing all these goddamn buttons on his desk trying to save himself. So all these stupid contraptions and gadgets start going off. Like I said, yeah, one of them's just shooting out CD discs. Yeah, there's there's a weird uh, Flintstones type dinosaur alien that's just sitting there (laughs) laughing at him. Oh yeah, dude, is that his pet? That's his pet. What is going on with I don't his know pet? what it is. It looks like that little dinosaur baby from that show with those puppet creature monster dinosaurs. Remember that show? I assumed it yes, I remember that show. I assumed <laughs> it was what like a vacuum or something from the Flintstones, because all I think is the Flintstones is it's like a, you know, he <laughs> sniffs up all the crap that he drops and he's like, It's a living and he breaks the fourth wall. Well, we get some of my favorite, like, you know, quirks of this world uh, bits here where like one of them is a cam- they're trying to spy on the president so they strap a camera to a cockroach <laughs> like, what the <laughs> fuck are we doing it's like a scene out of Spongebob it's, yeah. it's insane <laughs> Mr. Krabs yeah exactly and they learn maybe like one piece of information before he smashes the cockroach <laughs> why did we need this scene <laughs> and why did you invest the money to strap it on cockroaches like wow how did that cockroach get on the table I don't know there I thought they were in space I'm so confused <laughs> what's happening I love and I also love the flying like drive-by Chinese food delivery pirate ship <laughs> Oh yeah, that's pretty dope. It's I mean, that that one might be ahead of its time cuz that's essentially a food truck that just comes to your window. Yeah, it'll be a drone. It'll be a food drone. Yeah, exactly. It's basically the Amazon uh food 
drone. Do you want ketchup with that, or do you want me to kill your family? Fuck off, Amazon food drone. Amazon food drone? I will kill your family. <laughs> I said Amazon food drone. It's late where you are, isn't it, dude? It's, it's 1 o'clock a.m. where I'm at right now. The general guy, I guess, who used to be Bruce Willis's, you know, senior officer, he's General Monroe. He recommissions Corbin at this point to save the goddamn world. And what we get next it starts out as like a weird farce and turns into it some weird action sequencing. I don't know. So basically they come in, they tell him that he needs to go. <laughs> We've jumped around and I apologize. We're, we're already 45 minutes or so into this podcast, but um, and there's still so much movie. It's generally accepted that the person with the elemental stones is going to this hotel called paradise or something on a planet super far away. And, that commercial that you heard in the background, hey, win a trip for two to see the diva at Paradise Hotel or whatever, uh, that comes into play because apparently the U.S. government rigs <laughs> the contest so Corbin can go save the fucking world and get the stones. Yeah, and there's this goofy-ass scene where, you know, the three generals are offices, officers, he throws in his fridge to hide them while Lilu comes over, the priest knocks him out or tries to knock him out, steals the tickets and leaves with Lilu. Those fucking guards are frozen to death mm-hmm. in that goddamn freezer. You see the general later on, but I'm gonna go with the, they look dead. And he just shuts the door like, see, I gotta go. I will get, I will give a solid two out of three of those people die. He commits treason, he kills two officers, uh, he should be probably killed. <laughs> they should probably kill him. Well, And and I, I do want to say something at the risk of going off topic yet again, because we do have a lot to get through, but this goes back to that scene, or that thing I was mentioning earlier, where his fridge is the shower as well. Yep. Because he puts him in the he puts him in the fridge and it goes into the ground and suddenly his shower is on top of that with like this little drain that goes what into the fridge that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it looked into the fridge, dude. Yeah, and you're also drowning those frozen people. So Lilu and the priest come because the priest is like, we have to get those tickets. We have to get to the planet, and she's got to come with us. Uh, so like give me your fucking tickets but then the police show up because the police are looking for him he gives them false information so they end up taking away his neighbor but he shoves Lilu in the shower and he shoves the priest in like a, a vacuum sealed bed or something and so while the police are taking away the wrong person then the Mangalores come dude so we've had four different people come to this apartment looking for him or just people in general i it's it's getting out of hand <laughs> well luckily he boards whatever ship he needs to get on to get to this luxury floating hotel bullshit again another another silly farce in this movie where four different people try and get on the plane as corbin dallas yes because again they need to get to this hotel because that's where the diva is believed to be singing also believed to have the elemental stones not thanos Yes, I also think we didn't mention it either that the the Mangalores, the bad aliens, are trying to get the stones to hold as leverage for revenge against Zorg, who killed a bunch of their guys. Yeah, the self-destruct button guys. Yeah, the self-destruct button guys. Well, now we can get into one of my favorite <laughs> parts of the movie. Yeah, big question mark with favorite part of the movie, because 
I, I've seen it so many times that I'm still confused. This uh, radio DJ, the host of this uh, this show, is Ruby Rod, a flamboyant, over-the-top, oh, I'd say Jim Carrey-esque performance yeah. from Chris Tucker. I don't know like how to compare him with some modern-day radio host like maybe Ryan Seacrest. He's maybe the Ryan Seacrest of the future, but way, way, way bigger and more important for some reason. Yeah, everyone is in love with this guy. Everyone listens to this show. All the women find him attractive. He's got like a blonde penis hairdo going on at first when you see him. It changes. Yeah, men want to men want to be him. Women want to be with him, dude. And I don't know why, because it's Chris Tucker doing the weirdest shit on screen I've ever seen. I will say I am fascinated by him and Bruce Willis's chemistry. It seems as though, because one, what we haven't mentioned this entire show is Bruce Willis, he's given a shit in this performance. Again, it's not one of his best, but he has some life, some energy. This is before he gave no, up. No, he, he cares. He truly cares. His back and forth with Chris Tucker is super funny because Chris Tucker's going a mile a minute just talking and talking and he's trying to get like a good show out of Bruce Willis who's only answering everything in like one word answers. It's pretty good. This could have and maybe should have been a cop buddy movie. <laughs> with these two? <laughs> yeah. It, like it really like it's weird. We're about an hour and 20 minutes into this movie and we haven't seen Chris Tucker. The minute he comes on screen, you're like, he's really weird and really annoying but it's kind of bizarre that it took him this long to get in the movie because you want more. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of more of people of I, I can't tell if I'm enthralled or annoyed by is honestly Gary Oldman at this point because his performance is so far over the top, dude. Again, I love me some Oldman and he's doing he's fucking swinging for the fences, but it is equally as annoying as Chris Tucker. Like I like them both and I find them both irrationally entertaining but <laughs> i can't help but admit that like these are kind of weird fucked up bad performances chris tucker one gives me pause sometimes like it, it's funny to me sometimes <laughs> but it gives me pause i i will 100 percent go all in on the gary Oldman one i love everything <laughs> he's doing in this movie i, I it's so yes it's weird and strange and i think he's doing it over the top but i am all in on Gary Oldman in this film. Gary Bushy Oldman. <laughs> it's it's perfect, man. This this whole scene right here is a fucking <laughs> You know what he is? He's basically Vader in this movie. Dude, that's exactly what I'm thinking. He's basically the Darth Vader of this movie. Now, do, would you picture Darth Vader having a conversation with his receptionist like taking the emperor's call on hold cuz I think that's what's happening here. It is where... it, it is essentially that. He the the <laughs> emperor's on hold. <laughs> He's on And when we say one. the Emperor, it's a giant fucking ball of fire in space who somehow talks and goes by the moniker Mr. Shadow. <laughs> oh, why is he going by Mr. Shadow? Why can he talk? How can he make a call? He's a black... <laughs> Why is he making a call? If he's fucking telepathic or whatever, he makes Gary Oldman's head bleed later on. Yeah. Why is he picking up the phone and be like, ah, uh, oh, uh, Mr. Zorg will be with you in one moment. Hang on. It's clearly a phone call because the U.S. military even makes a joke. They're like, oh, maybe he's making a phone call. <laughs> like, they're tracking it. They're tracking the phone call. And Gary Oldman, of course, terrified by, you know, the big smoke monster thing. He's like, hey, uh, I'm still going to get paid a bunch of money after this, right? And the, the thing's like, oh, yeah, money's no issue. Basically says money's not important or whatever. How, how is he... <laughs> 
to how fucking does he like, not see what's going on how does he also, how is he gonna get him money like i just don't understand what this evil is it's like a planet i guess see, and and this this goes back to what i was saying before that maybe him trying to make this a trilogy makes sense all i can think is that this giant ball of evil eventually becomes maybe like a person like he kind of becomes like a thanos or something who knows man this is this has got 16 year old luke basson written all over it really yeah it is it's weird it's it's a planet dude yeah but yeah but why is the bad guy working for the planet because he wants to get paid dude that's why he's greedy man corporate greed oh Okay, so I'm very curious at this point what this goddamn floating hotel is going to look like. It turns out when they arrive, it's basically like a giant cruise ship, right? Because everyone gets like little Hawaiian ladies yeah, I placed think, on their necks and everything. I think this like tropical, beautiful planet they were talking about is entirely made of water. Well, this isn't the planet. This is just the goddamn like hotel ship, right? I have no idea. Or are they on a planet? Oh, I no, don't know. They Wherever are, they are. No, dude. they are on a ship. You're right. I have no fucking idea what's going on. What, what's crazy is for a large part of this movie, I think we're in space just because everything looks weird but most of this we're in fucking new york it's not until like here really that we're like venturing into space to go to this like hotel there's like maybe one or two quick cuts that we see yeah, like there's when a the few little exposition are... scenes and shit yep yep yeah when the aliens are shooting in the beginning that we mentioned or like when they're traveling for literally all of five seconds in this film yeah it, it, almost entirely it takes place either at, at this hotel or in fucking Manhattan. <laughs> so Mouse on himself, Lee Evans, he plays a guard who I don't even think is given a name, and it wouldn't rec- register with you, I guess, if you didn't recognize his face, really. But he ushers in the talent of for the evening, this diva. She goes by the name Plava Laguna. And this, I do remember, this image. Iconic. Because it's kind of hard to get out of your head. Yeah, it's this this alien herself. She's got, like, these blue head tentacle thing that, like, wraps around her head. And she's, yeah, it's, it's such a strange but kind of beautiful image. It's very weird. <laughs> I remember seeing the scene where she starts singing in, like, a mastered car commercial or something like that. This, If there was anything to be taken from this movie in terms of what people remember, it's this upcoming scene where she starts doing the opera. It's, it, it is just because, and we'll explain, it just kicks this movie up another 12 notches. D- just when you think it can't go up another 12 notches, Brandon. <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. It's so fucking weird, and the imagery's weird. So she's singing. Corbin is loving it. He's, like, into, invested in this performance. Yeah, because she's singing opera, and, you know, that's all well and good, and this is where we were getting sort of that cool editing that you were talking about. This is when, like, Gary Oldman's coming onto the ship, and the Mangalores are on the ship, and Lilu, who now speaks English, and I guess knows karate or something. She is out for revenge against the aliens who blew up all her friends. But intertwined with all that is this weird, like hip hop opera scene. Yeah. I was not a fan of this hip hop opera. You were almost DJ hip hop opera. Oh God. Well, thank Yeah. It sounds like a DJ jazzy Jeff, like groove underneath. And she's singing like, then starts like rapping along to it or not rapping, but just using her breath to be like, Oh, 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 oh,
I'm not a fan. It's too much. You could have done this as just like a straight opera song. Like you could have been like Scorsese and have someone just get their ass kicked to opera. It'd have been fine. Yeah, it turns out a little kind of corny with this little fight scene here. Um, but the choreography's fine. Yeah, the choreography's fine. Yep. I am really impressed when this movie gets the option of choosing one or the other. They choose practical effects, and I'm on board with that. So, yeah, their fight scene's kind of all right. But anyway, she has to, she's forced to give Zorg the stones, or so we think. Ooh, another empty box for Gary Oldman. I love his reaction, too, when he realizes it's empty. He's, like, laughing as if, the, you know, he's won, but then it turns to sadness. Like, all right, maybe I'm more on Oldman than I thought yeah, I was. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. I'm talking you into it, buddy. <laughs> this scene is fucking weird, too. So she gets, the diva gets shot in the, you know, there's a whole they a siege, essentially, where the Mangalores, you know, shoot up the entire opera. There's a bunch of explosions and shit, and Corbin is left, you know, cradling the diva as she dies, and she tells him, basically, that Lilu, you know, how important she is, she needs your help. Also, the stones that you're looking for, they're in my tummy. Mm-hmm. Similar to Lucy, dude. Hiding stuff in your stomach is this guy's wheelhouse. This is a scene specifically that I remember when I was a kid. If I'm going to take anything away from it, it's watching fucking Bruce Willis stick his hand into this latex <laughs> gross blue belly. Blue alien. <laughs> and pulling out like... Pulling out some Egyptian stuff. <laughs> yeah, it it is just... You know what? It's jarring when you're 13, 14 years old watching that. It really is. And then you got Chris Tucker leaning over your shoulder just screaming stuff. Oh my god, Corbin! <laughs> Pull out the stones, Corbin! Chris Tucker shoots Ugh. an alien by accident and asks if he's gonna be okay. Yeah, like in the head, like a headshot. Yeah, blew his head off point blank. <laughs> is he gonna be okay? You think the movie's wrapping up here with this climax because he's got the stones and then he goes out, there's the head Mangalore. We get this last bit of trivia here where he's like, if you kill the lead Mangalore, they just stop fighting. So that's what he does. He goes out, they just puts give one up. right in the guy's head, and they all just are like, oh, all right, stop. That seems like a huge battle flaw. Action sequence over. <laughs> then what is this shit here? So we knew Zorg had planted a bomb earlier. Tucker and the priest, you know, they wind up finding it. And Chris Tucker says, oh, that can't be a bomb because hotels have those bomb detecting alarms. And as soon as he says that, the alarm fucking goes off and all the people just started leaving the building. Hey, but hey, alarm, where the fuck were you 20 minutes ago when he said this thing? This movie tries its hand at comedy quite a few times, which again, it was like, are you trying to make the new Star Wars or are you trying to make us laugh? Right, um, right. It seems like Guardians of the Galaxy kind of hit that tone a little better than the... You can see they're kind of similar, honestly, all very similar in, in tone and some of the weird imagery and stuff. I bet James Gunn, honestly, maybe this was an inspiration for him for that movie. Oh, I bet I bet James Gunn loves The Fifth Element. Right in his fucking wheelhouse, dude. Corbin and Ruby escape, you know, with the five elements on board. There's this huge, massive explosion outside because Gary Oldman can't stop his own bomb because I guess there was a failsafe with one of the other Mangalores who sets it off. Yeah, like he's suddenly has another trigger to set it off i'm so confused whatever dude it blows up there's a huge explosion in space which makes no sense neither does what i believe to be a panther roar dude i think i caught a panther roar in the explosion no really i'm gonna go back and subtle listen. dude subtle 
sound engineering. That's that best sound effects Oscar nomination at work, dude. This is the Oscar nominated Fifth Element. So yeah, maybe you're right. So at this point, I'm like, oh, nice. I'm going to get up, start my way over to the old Blu-ray player, hit the eject button. Movie's probably over. And then hang on a second. There's still, what's what's this? There's more going on here. Because, oh yeah. What's this? What's this extra 20 minutes? <laughs> the fucking giant ball of fire is now zooming. I guess he's just trucking his way to Earth because he wants to get to that Egyptian pyramid first, I guess. Uh, so, you know, Corbin's got to beat him there. The president's like, we only got an hour and a half or two hours or whatever to make it. <laughs> I do have to like point out, I think they did set a hard timeline for this movie. They were like, you got two days or something like that. It's really tough to follow because these characters doing whatever take their sweet fucking time to do anything. I mean, Corbin Dallas, we haven't described much. You know, he's your no-nonsense hero, but he also is very flippant with all this interdimensional shit. He's, again, when she, like, points the gun at him earlier and stuff and is, like, speaking a different language, he's just like, hey, cutie, hey, honey, like, simmer down, it's cool, I'm good. Like, he's treating all of this very nonchalantly. Yeah, he's very flip about the whole thing, even... Even when he's been assigned a task by the military, he's like, well, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, to, quote, save the world. So he gets to (laughs) Egypt, gets to that pyramid. It never shows them land the ship or any of that. I love it, too. It just cuts in there inside the pyramid. It's like, oh, all right. Well, cool. Here we go. Lilu, by the way, this amazing, perfect being, perfect warrior, has been, like, shot in the stomach and is useless right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And by the way, on her way to Egypt, she watches, like, a slideshow best of (laughs) hits of, Of you know, humanity's tragedy. Yeah. (laughs) They get there. They set up all of the stones. They got wind, water, earth, and fire. And they eventually wind up using breath for wind, sweat for water, sand for earth, and a match for fire. But they still need that fifth element, dude. What is it? I've been racking my brain this whole fucking movie, dude. I'm- they keep saying that Lilu is the fifth element, but that doesn't really mean anything. No. You know what? And I did think about it because, like I said, I, I recently just rewatched this again just as a brief refresher and stopped right during the diva scene. And the last thing she says right before she dies is like, she needs your help and your love. Dude, the fifth element, Brandon, it's love. It's love, Brandon. The fifth element is love, dude. And you want to know how we find that out. So 40 seconds, it's got 40 seconds before this fucking giant fire rock hits earth. And Lilu, because she's seen, you know, the destruction, the darkness of mankind, she doesn't want to save it. She doesn't want to save anybody. She's like, eh, pretty much like, no, I'm going to let y'all fucking die. And he's basically begging her like, please, for the love of God, save us. And she's like, why should I? Like, no one's ever done this. Basically, like, no one's ever left me. And then this part I laughed out loud. The priest yells to him. He's like, tell her, tell her, Corbin, (laughs) tell her how you feel. And it it takes Bruce Willis again. He's facing the entire species to be wiped out. And it takes him that much. God forbid he not monologue. (laughs) He can't show his vulnerability, dude. He's a badass macho man. He can't tell her that he loves her. (laughs) And as soon as he does the kiss, boom, a fucking giant blue beam of light shoots out of them up into space. And it blows up the rock monster coming toward him. And fucking man, he saved the world. You know what did it, dude? It was his sexuality. If he, if he hadn't convinced her to make out with him we'd be dead right now mm-hmm. this is the second movie we've covered that bruce willis has saved humanity basically by just being a brash badass american dude what was the first one 
Armageddon, dude. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, my God, I forgot about Armageddon. Well, yeah, I mean, at least he lives at the end of this one. Spoiler alert for Armageddon. Well, yeah, because the question is, does Lilu survive, dude? Hard cut to uh, hours later or something like that. and Yeah, everyone's celebrating, dude. He saved the world. The president wants to thank our, our heroes, and they're in the original chamber where she was, like, born. For some reason, it's now a suntan, like, a, a tanning bed or something like that because they are fucking... Dude, they are mad fucking right outside with the president. Outside, my date with the president's daughter. And all these, like, scientists are there, too, and they're just, like, fucking in this tube. Mind you, she's been alive for less than, like, three days, and she's also not technically a human, an interventional being. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I mean, look. She's an element. (laughs) Be like fucking carbon, dude. She's the embodiment of love, dude. I don't know, man. I don't know the logistics of this. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's just like, God forbid we not end this movie on a weird note, because that is the last thing you see. We see a fade. Yeah, they're going to need five minutes. Yeah, we see a fade to black on these two fucking end of movie roll credits. <laughs> Brandon, fifth element, give me your thoughts. Honestly, like, again, I wasn't really expecting much from this movie because I thought, I knew I had seen it, but I just, the fact that I couldn't remember anything from it just led me to believe it was going to be kind of a bland, generic sci-fi 90s movie that I honestly couldn't understand why so many people loved. And after rewatching it, while while I don't share in the (laughs) ecstatic love for this movie that a lot of people have, I get it. Like, I understand why you like such something so fucking weird. But also, above all else, Dude, it's fun. It's two hours. It maybe doesn't need to be that long, but it doesn't feel two hours because, again, it moves at a pace. There's enough great visual effects and weird imagery to just keep you sustained, even when the plot is is it's fucking nonsense. Just for the beginning part, I had me like, wait, what is this about? Like elements and bullshit, and it's like they contradict yeah. some of their own rules. A lot of the you know the villain's actual motive are very see-through and kind of dumb and the fact that he's doing this all for just a space rock i don't know man again i'll push it to, to at least above fresh dude i think it's like a 60 65 somewhere in there i think it's a a solid entertaining sci-fi movie that is fairly unique and original in at least it's like design and the, and the creatures and and stuff like that there's enough in here i think to satisfy a sci-fi fan but if you're not a sci-fi fan this is 100 like piss you off and also if you're not into anything that's kind of campy steer clear that's you know what that's a great segue into how i feel about this movie because i am really into sci-fi movies like this are kind of up my alley um but I think one of the biggest problems you get in sci-fi, like it is kind of in its nature supposed to be a little campy because it's it's purely imagination. It's all future stuff. We don't know what the future holds. So I think just in its nature, it's supposed to be like a little campy. And I think the problem with a lot of sci-fi movies, like you look at that movie, what were we talking about? The one with Claire Delevingne. Oh, Valerian, yeah. Valerian. Like, you look at some of those movies, and I think part of the problem is that, or that terrible Mila Kunis one with... um, Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, Jupiter Ascending. Channing Tatum's a wolfman, dude. Channing Tatum is a wolfman. These movies, like, Channing Tatum's a wolfman, okay? (laughs) 
that movie takes itself so seriously. I think what this movie has going for it, whether it means to or not, it doesn't take itself that seriously. There is a lot of goofy things going on in this movie. Like, there's no way he writes in that Chris Tucker character being like, this is so fucking badass. Like, he's trying to make people laugh when he writes in a character like that. Yeah. So I, I, I think... If you step back and take this movie in for what it is, I think it's really well made. I think, you know, like we said, in terms of some of the editing, it can be a little weird, but also really well made. And a lot of the practical effects really well done. I guess in concept, the plot of the movie, while maybe not executed great all the time, is still unique and original. And I think if you just, you know... Like I said, you really look at this movie for what it is, a movie that is sci-fi and does a, a pretty interesting job at some world building, but is not really trying to be the next Star Wars. It's just trying to be a fun two hours of sci-fi. And so for that, it, it's right up my alley. I think it does a good job. I'm actually, I'm going to, in a big upset for our listeners, I'm going to give this movie an 80%, Brandon. Oof, wow, all right. I, well, I, You know what? This, this movie to me holds up. I would recommend it to people who like sci-fi. Uh, I, it's not just my nostalgia. I truly enjoy watching this movie. I would also, yeah, recommend this to people who are super into sci-fi, and I think, yeah, this is a movie that, while I, I don't personally have the nostalgia for it, I think that had you loved this as a kid, you should definitely revisit it, because there's some funny, weird-ass shit worth a second look. And if you haven't seen it since the first time you watched it, definitely go back and rewatch it, and then base your opinions on it, because it it's, we truly can't stress this enough, it is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> One of the weirdest big budget blockbusters for sure. And honestly, like I hope that studios honestly would give more original weird ass concepts the money and the freedom to do what this guy did back in the 90s. So If we don't make movies like The Fifth Element, we're just we're going to get the same blockbuster Marvel crap that we get all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, on that note, um, anything you watched over the last, I don't know, month that you'd rather recommend? <laughs> recommend? It, I'm going to give a soft recommend to Rocket Man. I did see Rocket Man. It's the last movie I've gotten to see. I've been re- really fucking busy. Taron Egerton is fucking amazing, dude. That guy, if you haven't seen other movies that he's in, I, he's been in a ton at this point, but he's an up-and-comer who's just going to be so good. He he should start getting a lot more roles. He's fantastic as Elton John. I wasn't crazy about the movie overall. The music's obviously great. Um, I just don't think we should be making these biops for musicians until they're dead. I think Elton John had way too much say in that movie, and it, it kind of hurt the film a little bit. But, you know... I liked it better than Bohemian Rhapsody. I'll give that one a soft recommend. Well, we're getting an Elvis one, dude. Yeah, I'm not going to recommend that Elvis one. <laughs> just... Taron Egerton was great in Robin Hood. If you, did you see that one, dude? Uh, no, I did not see the uh, Jimmy Fox uh, Robin Hood. How about Eddie the Eagle? No, I didn't see Eddie the Eagle. With... Yeah, well, Taron Egerton's also in that, so maybe think before you say Are you things. fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, Rocketman was pretty good. I, I yeah, he's the best part of it for sure. He's also <laughs> he's also in the Kingsman movie. Yes, of course, dude. Which, by the way, they just released a trailer to the King's Man for the prequel. I saw it. Yeah, yeah, I did like that. I think it's going to be different. Did you see uh, Murder Mystery? By the way, Adam Sandler did new Sandler. Oh yeah, dude. You know I popped that on immediately. 
I will say, and this is, you know. Obviously, I didn't fucking see that movie, Brandon. I gotta say, it's his best one on Netflix, dude. That's stepping over maybe the lowest bar. What are you talking about, Sandy Wexler, dude? It's better than Sandy Wexler. It's better than The Do-Over. It's better than The Ridiculous Six. And what's that one with Chris Rock? Didn't he do one with The Week Of? These generic Yeah, yeah we, wa- we watched that movie together. Yeah. We did watch that. That's like... That's, already gone from my head. That's, <laughs> that's crossing over a bar that's buried 500 feet below the earth. Uh, well, I'm just going to do a super fucking rapid fire, dude. Recommend, not recommend. Child's Play. Not too shabby dude i i honestly kind of recommend it it's again these are child's play movies so i don't hold them in high regard you know it's a fun you know killer doll movie whatever mm-hmm. i enjoyed it uh annabelle Hulk comes home another killer doll movie you don't need to see it you could skip out on that one dude same shit different day uh speaking of days yesterday the beatles one did danny boyle mm-hmm. i kind of enjoyed it again it's not going to be in any awards contention i don't believe but it's a solid kind of uh Love Actually, it's by that same guy, the Richard Curtis guy. So, it's, you know, it's a little schmaltzy, but at the same time, it's well-written, well-performed, good stuff. I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm not going to go see any movie with James Corden in it. Anyway. He is in that movie. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. It was pretty good, dude. I wasn't, like, huge on Spider-Man Homecoming. I liked it. It just wasn't my, one of my favorite Marvel movies, which by I think you really enjoyed it, right? Am I mistaking that? Uh, we've ta- We talked about this when we did Spider-Man 2. I think it's maybe my favorite third or fourth or probably my fourth favorite spider-man movie yeah so i mean yeah we probably feel about the same about it yeah i I enjoyed it enough i thought this one was just as good maybe even a little better you know anytime you throw jill and hall in the movie i'm probably there for it so right it didn't hurt having him as as the uh you know the guy in it i don't know dude i hate fucking talking about movies and not spoiling it because if you know the character fuck you you should know what's going on but whatever who cares stupid lastly here we go midsummer dude finally saw that oh yeah that was i was probably gonna go see that tomorrow check it out again if you're i mean it's it's a completely different animal than uh hereditary but similar to us and you know get out i think they're two different movies by the same guy and they're very distinct and singular and so dude i had a blast with it it's weird as fucking it is way too long honestly it doesn't need to be two hours and 20 minutes long but jesus you know, if you like the previous movie, I think you'll find some shit in there that you'll enjoy. That's about it for me. Like I said, I haven't really been watching anything, so I'm sorry to give a late review on a movie that's that's almost out of theaters, I feel like, at this point. But, <laughs> hey, who cares, dude? I'm, I'm still a little mad at you for going after me about my Taron Egerton take, though. Leave me alone. He's great. He's good. No, dude, I, I do like him. I do like him. He's pretty good. You know what? You and I are in a fight. <laughs> no, Zach, please, I love you. <laughs> That's the end of Nostalgia Be Damned Forever. <laughs> God uh, damn it. God damn it. No, we will be back next week talking about uh, a film that we're trying to tie into new releases every once in a while when it you know behooves us. And we thought, what better time than to talk about a Disney Renaissance animated classic uh, than when they're releasing this live action Lion King one. So we'll see how that turns out. I'll, ha- I'll hopefully have a review by the time this comes out next week. So I'll you know hopefully have seen it and we'll we'll see how that turns out but uh we're not doing the lion king though we're, no of course why would we do the lion king that's a bona fide classic and the movie that i yeah, think we, we know that's good <laughs> yeah everyone knows that's good and the movie we're actually doing very highly rated we just want to watch it again because it's been a while and we think it'd be kind of fun to talk about so we are doing 1998's mulan mulan was that racist? It's been a good... No, that's how they say your name in the movie. Okay. We were just recreating the dialogue. I don't know, man. All right. Anyway. I'm excited. I recently got drunk and watched it on Hulu maybe like a year or two ago, if I'm being perfectly honest. It's got great... It's got great music. Uh, Eddie Murphy's in it, obviously. Um, I remember 
that movie kind of suffering from a pretty terrible third act, if I can remember correctly. But um, I'm I'm very curious to see how it holds up because this new one's coming out. The trailer for it looks pretty decent, but a lot of people getting backlash for it because there's no Mushu, Eddie Murphy's character, and there's no music in this. Yeah, this is all speculation right now. I don't know if that's confirmed, and if it is, who knows if they'll probably go back and maybe put some stuff in. I don't know. But yeah, at the time of recording, that's kind of the, the news right now. So we'll see how that one turns out. But uh, before that, here are our thoughts on the original animated one next week yep so you can find that on our website which is nbd.podbean.com along with all of our other episodes including some other uh disney 90s renaissance i think we got what like hercules is on there dude yep we got hercules on there um nightmare before christmas yeah there's 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 yeah our our catalog's big enough at this point where if you browse through it you can find it on your own i'm not going to be able to list it (laughs) off uh but yeah so check that out at nbd.podbean.com where we're originally hosted you can also find Find us on iTunes and uh, a couple other apps that support podcasting. Yeah, shoot us a message on Facebook or on Twitter. You can also email us at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. I always fucked that up, but I did Mm -hmm. that time. We're going to keep on moving. Send us a request, a question. we just like to hear from our listeners. And uh, thank you for sticking with us. Even when we go on hiatus every once in a while, we try to get the show out as quickly as possible, but we've had some constant, it seems, constant life changes. But it seems, at the moment, (laughs) time of recording, things have finally... Literally just for now who knows it could change 2019 has been a whirlwind (laughs) what a year oh man anyway uh yeah so thanks for listening uh do you have anything else to say brandon uh not a thing except for thank you for chatting with me zachary and i appreciate your time god i'm thinking about music for this movie whatever's playing now i hope you like it (laughs) 